Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. You can find past episodes of the Hops and Spirits Podcast on our website, gspodcast.com, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google, and pretty much where all podcasts are found. Coming up here shortly, I'll talk to Andrew Bishop, one of the co-owners and founders of Ethereal Brewing in Lexington. They have a great location, if you haven't seen it, along Manchester Street in the Old Pepper Distillery Campus. But that's almost not where they ended up. It's a great story. You'll love the interview. You'll learn a lot about Ethereal and their future plans. And as always, the Hops and Spirits podcast is presented proudly by One Sip Beer Review. They're on Instagram, One Sip Beer Review. See all the great videos, all the great beers, all in one spot. That's at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. And you can always find me on Instagram and Twitter at JMGreenGS. That's at JMGreenGS with an E, green with an E, on Instagram and Twitter. And joining me right now is Andrew Bishop, co-owner and founder of Ethereal Brewing in Lexington. Andrew, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Now, Andrew, you guys have been around for a little over five years. I'm having to guess that that time has just flown by. What's it been like for you guys? That it absolutely did fly by. I mean, at certain points, it felt like the the day would never end. But uh, for the most part, the years have, have gone by pretty quickly. Um, we've we've learned a lot during that time. It was it's kind of been a trial by fire. But uh, you know, as kind of what we've told ourselves is, at the end of the day, it's just beer. So uh, you know, we do come across a lot of headaches and a lot of, of hard lessons learned, but. You know, at the end of the day, it is just beer. You got to, you know, kind of take it with uh, some grain. And, <laughs> yeah, it, we, we try to make sure that, you know, we, we don't get too serious about it and it doesn't affect us too much in the long term because it ebbs and flows. And uh, it, it's been a fun ride so far. And it's uh, definitely nothing we could have imagined going into it. And, you know, when I've talked to you in the past, you know, it was kind of a very interesting story because you all, while you launched in uh, November of 15, correct? Uh, November of 14. November of 14. Um, you, you guys, you know, were working on things before that. And by you guys, I mean you and uh, Brandon Flown. Uh, how did that journey start? Because basically, if I remember correctly, you guys were just two friends that enjoyed making some home brews. And then next thing you know, you, you're uh thinking about starting your actual own brewery that that is absolutely correct um it, it was kind of a, a fun and interesting way to get to where we got um you know the little bit of the backstory is that uh myself when i was 19 i, I went to go visit some family uh that lives out in nebraska and while i was out there i have an uncle and an aunt that live in iowa and when i swung up that way he was actually opening up a nano brewery at that time and I watched him brew his first two brews on a brew magic and, you know, just watching and, and kind of somewhat participating. It looked really easy on the outside. You, you put grains into hot water, uh, you move it over, you boil it, you add your hops and then you cool it down. And so it, it was <clears throat> kind of an eye opening thing of how to make beer. And so he told me where he got his first homebrew kit. And when I went home, uh, I, I jumped online and I bought a homebrew kit because you could buy everything to make alcohol and there weren't any age checks or anything. So I, I got a homebrew kit delivered, uh, glass carboys, ingredients, the whole nine yards, and just kind of got started making it really just for the fun of it and just to be able to say, hey, I'm 19 and 
I made it. I didn't have to find someone to buy it for me. I was going to say, that's so going to be nice to be able to, uh, you know, be able to have your own beer, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Especially at that age. I mean, it didn't come from the, the purest intentions. It, it was to kind of skirt certain regulations that kept it out of my hands. <laughs> but you know, it, it was it was a, a fun little way to, to be able to get around it. And I was able to, to brew on State Street here in Lexington and uh, ferment in the closet. And, and I kind of have my own beer. Uh, right about that same time, uh, Brandon's family, we graduated from high school together. We'd known each other. Uh, we, we have known each other since we were 16. Um, his family moved out to Asheville, North Carolina, which was kind of, as most of us know, is, is a, in its own right, a mecca of craft beer. And uh, he has an older brother that got uh, into the craft beer scene, and he started working over at Burial Brewing. And so Brandon actually brewed his first few batches of beer with his brother and kind of took it up on his own. And then almost like a, a bad 80s movie with uh, either high school or college, we ran into each other at a house party, and I had a six-pack of some beer that I had made, and, and he brought some bottles of beer that he had made. We ran into each other. We traded bottles and uh, we said well I mean we've already known each other for a while and we're both doing the same thing so why not just kind of come together and, and make life a little bit easier and so at that point really we were just brewing together to see if we could a make beer b make good beer and really that was that was the end of it we didn't have any aspirations to to go any farther with it it was just for fun but as we were doing it as a hobby, we kind of realized that the uh, the college education that we were going for wasn't really what we were interested in. I was there for psychology. He was there for political science. And neither one of us really had any interest in going to grad school. Uh, those, uh, <clears throat> those subjects just interest us. Uh, so we kind of decided that we were going to put all of our focus into building a business plan and making beer that people would be willing to spend their money on. So during that time, um, we, we really worked on recipe development and formulation. Uh, we worked on consistency. Um, and then we, we just kind of did whatever we could to figure out how to open up a business. Um, Brandon quit his job at a restaurant to go work third shift over at Alltech to learn how to brew on a, on a larger system and how to actually run uh, CIPs and sanitary loops rather than, you know, just cleaning half-inch tubing. We've got two-inch braided steel tubes transporting beer, so we had to learn how to clean with caustic chemicals, how, how to actually clean a fermenter made out of stainless steel uh, rather than a glass carboy and a brush and some star sand. So Brandon actually worked third shift for, I want to say, about a year or so, uh, of just kind of learning the ins and outs of how to actually run a larger uh, brew house. And then myself, I focused more on the front of the house. I, I was kind of shadowing a manager uh, at the restaurant I was working at and was just learning some different manager styles and, and trying to figure out, uh, you know, some of the uh, the math behind it of the economics of cost of goods sold and, and this and that. So we tried to divide and conquer a little bit of, of how to, open up ethereal and during that time uh you know we were making beer and uh, a place called Glen uh, glenn's creek was opening up so honestly before any of all this when we were trying to open up our own place and we didn't have the funds um 
we we did take some beer of our own over to the owners of uh, Glens Creek and we gave them uh, four or five beers that we had made as our interview process and they liked it and they asked us to to be their brewers um unfortunately they got the restaurant open but they never actually opened up the brewery that was going to be at a different location so we had an opportunity and we thought we were finally going to be able to brew for a, a profession and and that unfortunately fell through and and we kind of had to start back from square one but i, I, mean, and I was then, gonna say i mean in, in a sense it almost might have been a blessing for y'all because i mean i know it still probably took a couple years after that but then you got to have your own, right? Oh, I mean, uh, with the power of hindsight, uh, we, we are absolutely, you know, in a better position. Uh, you know, we would, we would have been employees and, you know, we would have kind of been, we, we may have been able to branch out at some point, but at the same time, I mean, it, it definitely would have put us on an extremely different trajectory and, you know, who knows where we would have been, but, uh, you know, as you point out, kind of where we are now, it definitely worked out for us in the end. But at that point, you know, we kind of, we, we actually walked away just because we saw that it really wasn't happening the way that we thought it would. And uh, so we started it again. And, and then finally, we were able to, uh, to get a hold of an investor and convince them that uh, this was a good place to put your money. And and then we kind of just took that and ran with it. We we bought a, a brew system from a, a brewery, Bull Falls, up in Wausau, Wisconsin. Uh, they were uh, going from a 10-barrel to a 30-barrel. So they were selling a turnkey system on Pro Brewer, and we put 10% down sight unseen because brew systems were either basically six months to get one new, or you could buy it at almost the same price used and go ahead and have it within a month. So we, we found the system. We heard uh, the manufacturer of it. Uh, we heard that that was a reputable name. So we put down 10% without even looking at it. And then we took a trip up to Wausau, Wisconsin, and we, we tore out that system, put it on a flatbed, a flatbed truck and had them bring it down. And we, we kind of kicked off Ethereal and, and built it up from an old, an old distillery down in uh, on Manchester Street. I was gonna say, I, I feel like that the location is great for y'all. We're here with Andrew Bishop, one of the co-owners, founders of Ethereal Brewing in Lexington, on the Hops and Spirits podcast. And I have to think that, in some sense, you just—it was a lot of chances along the way for everything because you picked an old, uh, pe the old Pepper Distilling building. The only thing there was a uh, uh, what Barrel House at the time. Yes. And, and now, obviously, yeah. uh, again, hindsight looks great, but I mean, that had to be a risk, too. It, it was, and there's, there's actually a little bit of a story with that one. Um, so, you know, Brandon and I, I'm actually born and raised Lexington, and, and Brandon's been here uh, since he, was, I think, was about four or five years old. Um, so when we were first scouting locations, we were working with a local company, and they kept trying to bring us down to the pepper distillery which is on manchester which is where we're at and just being from lexington you know growing up high school college post-college we we just kind of knew there really wasn't much down manchester street there there was a, a tow yard 
uh, eventually you'll get to the detention center and there's really just not a lot. It's, it's really rough industrial area. And so we just had that mindset of, you know, that's not where people want to go. So don't even waste our time driving to look at this building because it, it's just that it's a waste of our time. And so we actually spent, I think, somewhere around 11 to 13 months of just looking at locations, because as a brewery, uh, at least in Lexington, you have to be zoned I-1 or I-2, uh, industrial one or two, because we are considered a manufacturer, even though we have a, a tap room. So we're very limited to where we can go uh, if we're just going to be a brewery. So we could only pick certain spots that were a bit more on the industrial side, and that was one of them, but we just kept saying, no, nobody wants to go now in Manchester. And then after 11 plus months of, of just looking at spots and not being impressed and saying it's not going to work, we honestly just finally said, just to get you to quit talking about the pepper distillery, let's go ahead, let's go down there, we'll tell you no, and then we'll move on again. And we pulled into the parking lot and it was almost immediately just like, oh, this is a lot different than what we thought it would be. And then we walked in the garage door uh, in the back of the building and it probably took only about another 30 to 60 seconds to just kind of look at each other and say, I, I think we can make this work. So, you know, absolutely we picked the what we feel is the right spot and it's been an awesome place to be in Lexington and it's definitely grown up around us uh, and with us. And, you know, it's just one of those, like I'm, I keep kicking myself to some degree because we wasted about 11 months telling them to, to go kick rocks instead of taking us to the place where we ended up. So we could have made life a little bit easier on ourselves and started things about a full year earlier, but you know it, it ended up working out the way I guess that it, it was supposed to, and uh, we've been very happy down there. We've had uh, just nothing but great neighbors pop up around us, um, and uh, we still have to give credit to uh, to what is now the Alcorn Lounge, but is also uh, Barrel House Distilling. They, they've been down there for about three or four years before we ever looked at it. And uh, people still try to credit us as the first ones down there. But uh, it, it's been a fun little spot, and I wish we would have just agreed to look at it a little bit sooner. Well, and for those that don't know, you also have a, a great patio area out there, which is right next to the Town Branch Creek uh, running through there. You've also got now several restaurants. What, what's it been like to just see that whole area change? Because, I mean... I remember going down there and it was just you all crank and boom middle fork and uh, the break room and barrel house. And now you have, uh, you know, another distillery that, you know, peppers back in a sense, you have another brewery, a cidery. I mean, my goodness, it's changed completely. It absolutely has. And, and not only just uh, as far as the buildings, but even the parking lot, um, what a lot of people don't really understand until they walk in and see a picture over at uh, Barrel House Distilling, they have a really awesome picture. I think it's from around uh, late 60s, early 70s. And there are, I think, at least three, if not four more buildings where the parking lot is. And so when we first got open, uh, and then even when Crank and Boom open and uh, Break Room open, 
and even Middle Fork, it was, you were basically driving and parking on the foundation of those buildings that used to exist there. It was all dirt and gravel, and then you could see, you know, larger chunks of concrete uh, and, and stuff like that. And there were, weren't really lines drawn anywhere because it was literally dirt and uh, gravel, so lines wouldn't stay put anyway. But I mean, it's it's just it's transformed uh, immensely since uh, 2014, 2015. You know, from from parking on the foundation of old buildings to parking on a an asphalt parking lot that is lined and paved. You know, we've had uh, a furniture company show up. Um, we've got uh, battle axes down there. We've got another brewery, a cidery, like you said, Fusion and Wisebird. Uh, we've got Goodfellas Pizza, which is, has been a great neighbor uh, and really supported uh, our business. Uh, we've got the the uh, James E. Pepper Distillery, as you mentioned, which was their original complex uh, back uh, from 1930 to about 1970. And so they're back uh, in the original building and distilling in the old uh, mash room. But it, it's been a very fun you know, the group to work with because it's everybody kind of has their own diverse idea of what their business can and should be. But at the same time, I don't think there's a single place down there, including the furniture store, uh, that doesn't have an alcohol license. So it, it is all still, you know, everybody sells alcohol and, and their business kind of, at least in some degree, works with it. But, you know, it, it's not one of those scenarios where we're all kind of just fighting each other for the same clientele and it's a very symbiotic relationship down there and you know we we have drinks with each other and it's it's been very fun to watch that area go from basically a hey don't go down there especially when the sun goes down to hey if you're not down there at 10 o'clock on a Friday you're missing out so it, it's been very fun especially as in the, the born and raised Lexingtonian to see a place in town that I had known for, you know, 28 years at that point to be a do not go there, it, it's not that safe area to uh, a destination that's that's being put on, you know, visit Lex and, and getting remarks in Southern Home and Gardens and things like that, you know, it, it's pretty special to, to take a place that that you didn't want to to go to to have it you know featured in magazines and have it be a a must stop destination and we've had great partners and, and great businesses around us to allow it to become that we're talking with andrew bishop one of the co-owners founders of ethereal brewing in lexington talking about the distillery district i guess you could call it the old pepper campus um brandon when people go down there and or not brandon Andrew, when people go down there and, and, you know, visit Ethereal, what are they likely to, you know, to see on tap? Because, you know, you guys kind of have a little different style than some of the other breweries in Lexington. What, what will they find? Well, uh, we try to, we try to have to strike a pretty solid balance between, you know, pushing people a little bit outside of their comfort zone while also not trying to be too eclectic. So, you know, you'll find uh, a few IPAs uh, of varying styles. We, we have more of a traditional East Coast IPA. Uh, we typically have some level of West Coast IPA on. We have a hazy, maybe two hazies on. So we, uh, 
we, we try to diversify a little bit in that sense. Uh, we have our white ale, which is a, a staple of ours, one of our flagships, uh, a Belgian whip. Uh, we have our Lambda Oatmeal Stout, which is another flagship of ours, a little bit lighter side of a, a 5.7% oatmeal stout, uh, not very viscous. Uh, we'll have more than likely uh, some sour beers on, maybe something a little bit more on the kettle sour side. We have right now, I think, uh, about three different kettle soured beers on. One's a sour IPA, one's a sour wheat beer, <clears throat> and then we have our uh, our unemployment lime, which is a sour lime ale. Um, and then we also have a, a brown porter. Uh, we've done uh, an amber. So we really try to, to actually kind of push ourselves to not just get complacent. We, uh, we we like to find other beer styles that we haven't made yet, and then we like to try to, to push and and see if we can make it. You know, we also have a throwback pilsner has become one of our staples ever since we started brewing a pilsner. Uh, we have a Weizenbach on draft right now that we're also getting ready to release in cans. Uh, Tropical Goza is another uh, kettle sour beer that we're going to be releasing in cans this weekend. So we don't really try to define ourselves too much necessarily by like uh, we're a sour brewery, a good IPA brewery. We, we like to, we have 16 uh, tap options. So we like to try to diversify as much as we can across those 16 to see if we, if we can't find something for somebody uh, out of a group that they will enjoy. Uh, we do have some ciders and cans for people that are uh, doing gluten-free and and things like that. We have not made a cider ourselves yet, but you know, outside of, of ciders and gluten-free, we, we really do try to kind of push the envelope on what we're comfortable brewing and, you know, where our limitations are. I was going to say, and I, I noticed another thing that, that, that y'all like to do um, every year. It's, I believe in, you know, the early part of the year, you do the over and above uh, little beer fest, correct? Yeah. So, um, over and above is the uh, the last Sunday in February, and uh, we do uh, two festivals a year where we try to, to highlight Kentucky breweries as a whole. So one of the fun things that we absolutely adore about uh, the brewing industry and and being a part of, of these breweries in Kentucky is that you know all of us are really looking for the best in not only ourselves but our quote unquote competition, but also, you know, just our friends. Um, you know, it's it's not like Coke Pepsi, Bud Miller. We we actually sit here and give each other advice. We try to help each other out. We give each other ingredients. You know, we've worked with Blue Stallion for Crowlers. When they couldn't find some, we had some and we gave them to them. And then vice versa when we ran out and couldn't locate any. Now uh, we've gotten ingredients from Country Boy. We bought our canning line from West Six. Um, it's, it's a very fun industry where we can hang out, we can talk business, but we're so small and there's so many people that we don't have to worry about stepping on each other's toes and we don't have to fight each other to stay in business. And so, you know, we're, we're able to do these events where like with uh, the over and above and the other one is funky farmhouse, we're able to, to showcase other breweries and what they are producing. Over and Above is a festival where the only qualifier uh, for breweries is that it has to be 8% or higher. So, 
so our kind of challenge to people uh, to breweries is you know don't just send us a stout uh, don't just send us you know the, a barrel aged something you know do you have a double ipa do you, do you have a, a box style beer do you have something that you know might be out of the norm do you have do you make a belgian quad or a triple so you know we, we try to tell people we didn't want to call it a stout festival we wanted to call it uh, you know basically a, a high gravity festival and then with the uh, funky farmhouse we, we do try to push the envelope a little bit more from our, our brewer brethren and and that's more so of it needs to be either a farmhouse style ale a sour ale or some kind of brett funkiness <laughs> and those those three uh, qualifiers are the only things that we look for outside of that it can be whatever you want but we want to showcase other breweries in Kentucky, you know, what these brewers are making because Saison is one of the most broad terms and styles that exist. And and so when you have three or four Saisons that we get from three or four different breweries, people are able to see that, hey, I don't need to pigeonhole what a Saison is just because I had that one that I didn't like. And then at the same time, we also get to showcase these other brewers, their capabilities, and, and give people a single place in Lexington to come and try them. Because for over and above in Funky Farmhouse, we usually have anywhere between 21 and 25 breweries that participate. And so out of the 16 taps, we also hook up some jockey boxes and then we have uh, another little draft, uh, a little kegerator basically. So we're able to hook up 25 beers at a time. And, and as ethereal, we're only showcasing one, maybe two and then we have a total of 26 beers pouring. And so it, it's a fun way to just, you know, give these people, especially outside of Lexington, these other brewers, an opportunity to reach the Lexington market and, and reach new customers that they wouldn't otherwise be able to hit because they're so small, they don't distribute to Lexington typically. And so it, it's a fun way to give back to, to the other brewers and, and give them an opportunity to, to meet our uh, clientele and, and vice versa. I was going to say, you guys have, have done a, a great job with that. I've always enjoyed uh, going going to both of those. Um, one thing that I've also enjoyed, um, I, you guys opened it at a very interesting time, is the, the, the new location downtown. How's that going? And uh, was it weird trying to open up a new place during a pandemic? Yeah, so... Um... So yeah, we do have the Ethereal Brewing Public House down at the 102 West Vine in the heart of Lexington, <laughs> and uh, it 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 has been very interesting to say the least. Um, we were wrapping up construction and we were putting our actual grand opening, you know, somewhere right in the last week of March, and then of course March 16th, uh, everything kind of got shut down in Kentucky. <laughs> So we kind of had to to go back to the business plan and and figure out you know what we could make work and and really just what we had to do to to do anything. Um, so it's it's definitely been challenging opening during a pandemic where people are not allowed to be within a certain distance of each other and and you know you basically you need to be spread out and you really should be kind of staying at home and and not interacting with many people. So opening a week and a half into a lockdown uh, where really you could only do carry out was was definitely interesting compared to how we drew this up 
when we acquired this building last June. So it's it hasn't been easy, and and uh, it's definitely not been fun. But at the same time, we've been able to roll with the punches pretty well. Um, we've we've started to kind of pick up, especially since we've been allowed to have on-site business. Um, it's a small a small footprint itself, so we we really won't probably be able to get up to 50% occupancy as long as there is a six-foot uh, guideline still in place. But you know, people have been very happy about their experience here. They've they've enjoyed the beverages. Uh, they think the food has been very good. Um, you know, it, it's been a good experience. Um, it, it's it's been a great experience for the people that have come down here, but it's just been on a very muted level, and uh, you know, people are are hesitant to get out and go into public, which makes absolute sense. And we do require masks for people that come in to either one of our facilities, which has turned down you know some business, but really, you know, we've we've got to be sure that our staff feels safe and, and that we're making sure that we have a, a conducive environment for people to be able to get out and maybe grab a drink and a beverage and, and not get sick. But uh, it, uh, it's definitely been vastly different from what the business plan looked like uh, March 1st. And I mean, there's not a whole lot any of us can do about it. And so we're just gonna keep on keeping on and uh, you know, we are gonna be able to make it to the other side of this pandemic and we will be here for when we get to return to levels of normalcy and we will eventually be able to see what it looks like with a uh, hundred people in here rather than the 30 or so that we're, we're limited to now. But uh, we, we do look forward to when that time comes and we're able to, to show this place off and, and uh, welcome people into the public house. We're talking with Andrew Bishop, one of the co-owners and founders of Ethereal Brewing in Lexington. And I will say this, I've been to the public house. It's a great location now that there's not a big hole on the other side. And, and I would have to, I would have to say you, you've had probably the longest soft opening uh, probably that you can imagine. <laughs> but I will say this, Bizarre Eatery there is great food. And I love that partnership um, that they, I've probably eaten there more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's been a good partnership with these guys. Uh, we actually helped them launch uh, Gringo's Food Truck. Uh, their first uh, day of business was uh, as a food truck in front of Ethereal Brewing down on Manchester. And so this is kind of a continuation. You know, we they did their first food truck with us. They're doing their first brick and mortar with us. Um, you know, They've got great flavor on the food, and we try to keep everything very well priced, uh, both drinks and food. And you know, we want to have a very inclusive and uh, a fun environment where people can enjoy themselves and and not feel bad about doing it. Well, before I let you go, Andrew, I, I've always got to ask this question. You know, you've got your the Distillery District Pepper Campus location. You've got a downtown location. You guys have been doing some bottle releases, cans, and, and things like that during, you know, quarantine. What's what's next for Ethereal? <laughs> um, well, that, that's a very interesting question, especially since the quarantine happens. Um, we've, Ethereal's mindset has always been to kind of let things come to us. Uh, we've, we've tried to allow expansions to come to us. We try not to force the issue. 
it's more so of one of those like we have some interest in it and we might pursue it very softly and if it goes away then so be it and if not then we continue to pursue it you know um we we actually did uh about two years ago uh maybe even three by this point linus uh here in lexington on woodland avenue was up for sale and we expressed some interest and we actually went through and it, we we looked at Linus and it just wasn't the right move for us and so we let it go and then kind of with this location downtown to be perfectly honest it, it's on my way home from from Manchester Street and I kept getting stuck at the light at the uh, Vine and, and Limestone and I looked at the uh, the phone number enough times on the side of the building that I, I just said you know what I'm I'm going to give it a call today and I did. And I honestly never thought that we would ever end up owning the building, ever end up building it out, and never end up opening anything when I first made that call. It was really just how much are you asking and getting some basic information. So, you know, it, it's hard to really tell. Uh, we try to keep ourselves open to, to new opportunities. Uh, there have been a few buildings that we're kind of interested in. Uh, at least that I am, and you know, I, I kind of feel the same way as when I started out working on this place. Um, you know, there's a chance we could move on to uh, another building and maybe some level of new concept. You know, we added food and, and cocktails uh, over here at the public house. So, you know, we try not to, to pigeonhole ourselves. We try not to limit ourselves uh, and define ourselves by just one or two things. But I mean, right now we do, we did just acquire uh, West Six's canning line at the beginning of this year. And we have put a few things in 12 ounce cans. So we are looking to get some stuff out into distribution and, and kind of expand our, our footprint as far as package sales go. Uh, you know, we have just opened this place. So uh, we do need to bring some money back in before I'm, I'm allowed to pick up the phone and start calling numbers on the side of buildings again. But, um, you know, we just try to, to keep an open mind and we try to get a feel for, you know, what's working. We, being from Lexington, as long as we have been, you know, we're kind of in tune with areas that seem to be little dead zones and, and zones that might work. You know, this was a bit of a dead zone, but as you pointed out, it was uh, a pit for just about over a decade. And now that you have Jeff Ruby's open, you have uh, both hotels open, it, it changes the whole dynamic so you know we're going to keep our our eyes open and our ears to the ground and if, if another opportunity kind of comes our way we're going to vet it out and we'll see if we can make a little push for it but uh we we try not to get over get too far ahead of ourselves and and, and trip ourselves up so we we try to be optimistically cautious and we'll kind of see what, what comes our way and what we feel might be a good thing to expand upon well, you guys have done an amazing job with everything so far. It seems like it, everything in hindsight, as, as you said, you know, has lined up very well. And Andrew, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us today. Absolutely. I, I thank you for having me on. And uh, I appreciate, uh, you know, people that want to take the time and listen. It's, uh, it's, it's been a very fun journey. It's, it's definitely not anything I thought would happen going through high school and college. And so, it's really neat that uh, people actually take an interest uh, in, in what we're doing, considering we're just sitting here making it up as we go. So 
uh, we definitely appreciate it. Well, you, you've, you've made it up very well, and I uh, look forward to, to what's next. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you again to Andrew Bishop, co-owner and founder of Ethereal Brewing in Lexington. If you have not been, check out their uh, Pepper Campus, uh, their distillery district location there on Manchester Street. It's a great area, plenty to do for everyone. I know it's still weird times with the quarantine, but it's still a great area, great patio. And if you're downtown, check out the public house with Bizarre Eatery. I will not say how many times I've eaten there, but I've never had a bad meal. Remember, you can find the Hops and Spirits podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, and where podcasts are found, and also on our website, gspodcast.com. That's gspodcast.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jmgreen, at jmgreengs. That's green with an E on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, cheers, everyone.